We're going to continue our series on the doctrine of Christmas. We're looking at the incarnation and that doctrine. Um, let's look at John chapter 1. Let's just read verses 1 to 14 there. And um, last week we just uh, introduced the topic, spoke about really what Christmas is about, is, is the, about the incarnation. Uh, we spoke about the fact that really we need to know who Christ is. And, um, and, and when, if we don't have Christ, we don't have Christianity. Because really our, our uh, Christianity isn't based on just a set of beliefs. It's based on the person of Jesus Christ. And unlike uh, false religions where uh, they're, they're prophets and those that they, they claim to be their gurus, you can do, do away with them and you can keep the set of beliefs. Christianity is not like that. Without Christ, we have nothing. And so we spoke about the, the importance of it. We spoke about how really Christ is the central figure of history and, and, and the importance of just knowing Him. And really the reason, uh, another reason why we ought to know is because really uh, the, the point of attack of our enemy is often um, against the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we looked at that uh, really briefly last week. Let's, let's begin reading John chapter 1. And verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And notice verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we're going to look at this uh, important doctrine in relation to Jesus. Um, again, we understand the importance of Jesus to Christianity and really our enemy's ploy to target his person and work. And so we're going to, we're going to move to the importance of the incarnation to his whole makeup. Um, someone said this, If there is among the distinctive articles of the Christian faith, one which is basic to all others, it is this, that our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became man for our salvation. This is the affirmation that we have in mind when we speak of the doctrine of the incarnation. And so it's a, such an important doctrine. Um, last week we defined incarnation from a, a basic definition sense. But what does it mean doctrinally and why is it important? What do we mean by the word incarnation? And so as we study through Scripture, the, the idea of it is found in several texts which, which really speak of, of Jesus uh, we, we, uh, we read several um, passages last week. We know in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, and 2 John 7, He's come in the flesh. 
Um, we see in Romans 8.3 that he was sent in the likeness of flesh. In 1 Timothy 3.16, he was manifest in the flesh. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he also suffered in the flesh. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he was put to death in the flesh. Uh, in, in Ephesians 2.15, he was made peace by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. Uh, in, in, in Colossians 1.21-22, uh, uh, he was made reconciliation in the body of his flesh. And then we read it here in John 1.14. The word was made flesh. And all of those references really speak about his incarnation. So what do we gather from all of that? And, and um, we're not going to take the time really to look through all of those scriptures. You can um, pro- possibly take the notes there and, and look at it yourselves after. By incarnation, we mean that the eternal word or second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, became a man or assumed human flesh at a point in time, yet without ceasing to be God. And that's an important uh, distinction there. Uh, the importance must then be apparent when we consider the doctrinal definition of incarnation. If, if Jesus' claims of being the Lord is to hold true, then His incarnation... God come to earth and, uh, and becoming a man must be critical to that claim. All right, so, so we understand the importance of it. The doctrine of incarnation means that two distinct natures, divine and human, are united in one person. Okay, Jesus. Jesus is not two people, God and man. He is one person, the God-man. And, uh, and that's an important thing to understand. And now, we'll, we'll go through a few false views of incarnation. And um, there's, there's still some that, that um, are, are quite evident in the world today. There's the um, Ebionite, where they deny the reality of Christ's divine nature. They, 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 uh, they understood his, his, uh, his, his humanity and the fact that he was flesh, but they denied the reality of Christ's divine nature. And yet again, as we read in John chapter 1, the Word was God. All right, so we understand that he had that divine nature. The, there's the Gnostics. Okay, the Gnostics, they denied the reality of Jesus' human nature. And yet, again, if we were to look at 1 John 1, 1, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And we understand that, that he was very much God, but also very much man. We have the Arians, they affirmed Jesus' pre-existence, but then denied his deity. And really, that's the position of the Jehovah's Witnesses today, right? They denied Jesus' deity. So that's the Arians. Then we have the Nestorians. Okay, they believe two persons indwelt the body of Christ, the human and the divine, and, and that uh, it was just those two, two persons, not, not in unity. Um, then you have the, the Eutychians. They believe that the two natures, human and divine, combined to make a third and new nature from the original natures. So somehow the, the, the joining of the two created a separate uh, entity, which is really blasphemous. Um, but really then you have what, what I'm going to call the uh, nativists. Uh, there are those who teach uh, incarnational sonship. And, and here's a, this is a dangerous view. This is a view that Jesus Christ only became the Son of God at the time of His birth, and not prior to that. So, so you understand the doctrine of the Trinity, God in three distinct persons, but one. And in that, in that Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
And so in, in this teaching, they teach that, that God in, it, uh, in eternity, past the Son of God, was never the Son. He was only the Word or, or the second person of the Godhead. And that upon His birth, He became the Son. And yet, again, we won't take the time, but we, we understand that God was a Father. So how can He be a Father without a Son? And, and, and so forth. And, and you know, uh, one of the, the popular authors who believe this and possibly you've read some of his works, John MacArthur believes this. And uh, he said this, Christ is and always has been the second member of the Trinity, but only became the Son in his incarnation. Okay, the term Son then refers only to Christ's incarnation. Uh, that's incorrect. Uh, he also said this, from eternity he has been the second person of the Trinity. He assumed the role of Son in his incarnation. And so those are some false views, all right? And, and it's, it's important, again, if we're going to consider those, then we need to see the biblical view of incarnation. So opposed to these things that we just, uh, we just quickly listed is the biblical view of incarnation, which is the eternal sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Meaning He has always been the Son of God from eternity past. And now that He's taken on human flesh, He will continue to have that in eternity future. Okay, this can be the only view taken of Jesus' incarnation. Okay, that can be the only view. He being God the Son, assumed human flesh without ceasing to be or becoming God. Uh, someone said it this way, Here are two mysteries for the price of one. The plurality of persons within the unity of God. And the union of Godhead and manhood in the person of Jesus. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is this truth. Of the incarnation. And, and really, the early church considered the incarnation to be one of the most important truths of our faith. And so, the, the, the biblical teaching of incarnation can be summarized by this Jesus has, uh, has the, the two natures, He is God and man. So, the Bible teaches that Jesus is not merely someone who's a lot like God, who, who walked closely with God. Rather, Jesus Himself is the most high God. All right, we know that in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the truth, that, uh, the, the, the truth is that He is not just like God, He is God. All right, that Jesus Christ is God. And the truth is this, that it is only God the Son who became incarnate is taught. Again, in John 1, 14, and the Word was made flesh. And, and to, to really understand that, we must understand, again, the doctrine of the Trinity. The Father is not the Son and not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father and not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father and is not the Son. It's three distinct persons in the Godhood, and yet still one. And again, I think it was a Wednesday night, we went through that. Just, uh, there's, there's several illustrations that really, really fail to fully uh, to fully. Uh, grasp and, and illustrate that correctly. And, and again, there are some things that, that we know of God that He declares for Himself in the Word of God that we must take by faith. Our human minds cannot comprehend in all reality how that works, but it is true. All right, so, uh, so to understand that, again, the, the truth is it's only God the Son who was made incarnate um, according to the Word of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
Um, and so it wasn't the Father or the Holy Spirit who became man, but God the Son. Okay, It should be then obvious that if Jesus is God, then He has always been God. Right? He didn't become God. There was never a time when He became God. Why? Because God is eternal. All right? But Jesus has not always been man. Okay, the, 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 uh, the, the miracle is that this eternal God became man through the incarnation. And that's what the incarnation was. God the Son becoming man. And really, that's, again, the great event we celebrate at Christmas. And again, it's also essential to know that God does not have a sinful nature. Okay, neither did He ever commit sin, even though He was tempted at all points. We see that in Hebrews 4.15. So Jesus is fully and perfectly man and has also experienced full the, the full range of human experience. So, so each nature is full and complete. All right, um, and again, we're, we're going through this quite quickly, and, and I know that you'll, you'll be thinking, but what I'm saying is He is fully God and fully man. That, that, that's got to be part of, of what we see in the Bible as far as His incarnation. Okay, in Colossians 2.9, For in Him, speaking of Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Which means he was fully God and fully man. Okay, the, the Bible declares that he was as much God as if he had never been a man, and as much a man as he had as if he had never been God. And the, the theological term for this is the hypostatic union. Okay, and you, you can you can look that up later, and I can spell it for you later if you'd like. But that's the, that's the theological term for it. But so he was fully God and fully man. He, he, in each nature, full and complete. All right? He wasn't 50% man and 50% God. No, he was 100% God and 100% man. All right? So each nature, though, in, in, in this instance, it remains distinct. Uh, we see this in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, where the Bible says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And so in, in all of this, having two natures that are distinct, 100% God, 100% man, Christ is still the one person. All right, so just continue to follow along. Christ is only one person. Never, never in, uh, throughout Scripture does he refer to himself as us or we always I in the singular all right in first Timothy 316 we, we refer to it we'll read the whole thing and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world received up into glory he was speaking of one person okay the Lord Jesus Christ and so this doctrine of incarnation has to, has, to, uh, has to preclude that we have the Lord Jesus Christ with two uh, natures, 100% God, 100% man, distinct but only in one person. And, and so because of that, here's the implication. All right, Things that are true of only one nature are nonetheless true of the person of Christ. And I'll give you an example of that. Look at John chapter 8. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. 
And notice verse 58. So the, the, the Jews were, were questioning him as they, they often did. Um, notice verse 53, they say to him, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? He, he says in verse 54, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him, and I should say, I know him not. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Then notice this, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews in verse 57 unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? So he's referring to Abraham in the sense of he knew him. And they're saying, well, you're not even 50. How could you know Abraham? And notice what he says, Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That's a pretty bold statement. This is a person that they were physically speaking to. They, they, could, they could see him mouth the words and the, the sound comes and hits their ear. He was physically there. He was, he was very 100% man. And yet he declares, before Abraham was, I am. And so this, this nature then, so we understand that, that Christ's human nature did not exist before Abraham. Right? It is Christ's divine nature that eternally exists before Abraham. But since Christ is one person, he could say that before Abraham was, he is. And so we see that these. Uh, 100% man, 100% God in one person. So what's, one, what's true of one is nonetheless true of the person of Christ. Uh, we can see that also in His death. We know that God can't die. We understand that, he, that Jesus willingly laid down His life for us. And so in His, in his humanity, he, he, he gave up His, his life. And, and, and yet in His divine nature, He triumphed over death. And to, to prove that we have no fear in death as believers in Christ. And we'll see this later on. The, the whole point of the incarnation was to give mankind a savior. And so, again, um, things that are true of only one nature are nonetheless true of the person of Christ. And so, as we think about that, um, what do we then exactly mean when we say that God the Son became man? Again, we, we, don't, we, we don't mean that he turned into a man in the sense that he stopped being God and started being man. Okay, Jesus did not give up any of his divinity in the incarnation. It's, it's evident from the verses that we, we were referring to earlier. Um, someone said it this way, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. And, uh, and now um, Jesus... Here we, we see that he didn't give up any of his divine attributes at the incarnation. Okay, he remained in full possession of all of them. And um, if, we were to, to, um, if he were to ever give up any of his divine attributes, here's, here's the logical thing. He would then cease to be God. And, and so he never gave up any of his divine attributes. And so 
because of that, we've got to consider the following to understand really the eternality of the, of the sun. And, and then, so we'll look at some of these and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll continue next week. So we need to look at firstly the Old Testament pre-incarnate existence of Christ. And we see this evidence through Scripture. And, and the question we've got to ask is, what was God the Son then doing prior to His incarnation? What was He doing? Um, we're already in the book of John. Look at John 1.3. And we read it earlier, but let's read it just to remind ourselves. So again, this is speaking about the Word, the Son of God. And yet here in verse 3, all things were made by Him. Okay, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so the person of creation is the Son of God. Okay, so the first thing that He was doing prior to His incarnation, He was creating the universe. Alright, look at Colossians 1.16. And, and keep your finger here, we'll go back to this. Look at Colossians. Look at Colossians 1.16. And then turn to Hebrews after that. So Colossians 1.16. For by Him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And so, again, he was creating the universe. What was he doing prior to his incarnation? Now look at Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, notice verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So he was making the worlds. Look at verse 10. Same chapter. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. So the, the person of creation out of the Godhood was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Son of God. All right? So, so he was creating the universe, but also he was controlling this created universe. Uh, we're already in Hebrews. Look at verse 3, Hebrews chapter 1, 3. So, so by whom also he made the worlds, verse 2 who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Okay, um, an express image. He was, the, he was the visible of the invisible. And notice what He says, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who's that speaking of? It's the Son of God. The Lord Jesus. And it was Him. And, and here's the second thing He was doing uh, prior to His incarnation. He was controlling this created universe. Now look at Colossians once again. Go back to that text. Colossians 1. And now the next verse in verse 17. It says, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Now that word means holding it together. He's the one. He's holding it together. He's keeping it all in check, all in timing. If you ever, ever really looked at our universe and the, just the, the, the mechanism that that is and how, how everything has to be timed perfectly. The earth has to be a, a certain 
distance from the sun and a certain angle or else we will melt in, in fervent heat or, or freeze in such coldness as was never known. You know who keeps that all together? It's the Son of God. It's the eternal Son of God. But then also we see this, he was communing with the Father. So prior to his, his incarnation, look at John chapter 17. John 17. And notice verse 23. It says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me and, and thou hast, uh, hast loved them and thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. So he was communing. He was already in, in, that, in, that, in that Godhead, the Son of God. And so understand, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't become the Son. He was the Son. He was the eternal Son of God. And so again, we see this, uh, what he was doing prior to his incarnation. So then you've got to ask yourself, did God the Son appear than prior to Bethlehem. And simple truth is this. We see that in the Old Testament. And we call this, this uh, the, the theological term for it is theophanies. A theophany is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ. Okay, and it's, it's often referenced by the phrase angel of the Lord. Um, look at Genesis chapter 48, and, and then we'll, we'll move from there. Genesis 48. And uh, look at verse, uh, verse 16. So notice here, um, uh, Jacob, or Israel, is, is blessing Joseph and his sons. And notice verse 15, he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life along this day. And notice it's the angel, capital A, which redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. And let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Um, now, we see here, there, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. And there's no other angel. There's no other one that can redeem but the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, as we look at that, that, that is a reference again to a, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ. Um, here's another one, Judges chapter 13. So go to Judges chapter 13, and, and there's, there's other, other more, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, famous ones. And we'll just read those through as we, as we finish off tonight. But Judges chapter 13. And, uh, you know, this story, it's, a, it's the announcement of the birth of Samson. And Judges 13, look at, look at verse 18. And uh, the, 
uh, Samson's parents, they didn't really know how to handle that announcement and also all of that. So they, they asked questions, right, to the, to the angel of the Lord. And notice verse 18, they, they asked him, what's your name? In verse 17. And notice verse 18, and the angel of the Lord said unto him, why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? Now, if you, if you look at um, the, the word secret there, it's also translated in a different place in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 as the word wonderful. So the idea of secret was it's too wonderful to know. And the only other reference to that is Isaiah 9 6, and we know that it's prophetically speaking about Christ and his birth. And so there's several times, several times, and again, there's, there's many more that we can look at tonight. We can look at Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. He appeared before Hagar. We see Abraham several times in Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 22. We see Jacob. Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 32. We see he appeared to Moses three times. Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 23, Exodus chapter 33. All right, that's, that's an easy one to remember. Um, we see that he appeared to Joshua, right? Joshua chapter 5, he wrestled. He appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. We referred to this already, Samson's parents in Judges 13. Uh, he appeared to Isaiah in a, in a vivid way in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, he appeared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where? In the furnace. Daniel chapter 3. And then he appeared to Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and Daniel chapter 7. And then several times in the book of Zechariah. He appears to Zechariah. And so, Zechariah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 6. All right, so, so we won't take the time this evening um, to, to look at all of those, but, but have a look at those. If you want those specific references, I can give you that um, another time. But again, it's important to note that, that there are false views of the incarnation, but the, the biblical view is we, we have two natures in the person of Jesus Christ. And he was always, in eternity past and now eternity future, the Son of God. And, and, and he, he, didn't become, he didn't become the Son of God. He was the Son of God, made in flesh. And then we see then that, that he, he appeared several times. And, and then next week we'll look at some of the Old Testament prophecies of his incarnation and then some of the New, New Testament demonstrations of his, his incarnation. And then speak a little bit about the virgin birth. Alright, so hope you learned something tonight. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we come before you um, tonight again. Just, just marveling, Lord, at, the, uh, at your word. And, and really such a, such a miracle. Uh, you can so demonstrate um, uh, so easily in your word. And thank you, Father, that, Lord, we can have great confidence in who you are. And then, Father, we just praise you for just being willing uh, to, to send your Son, uh, Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our stead on the cross. And thank you, dear Lord, that we get to live in that truth as we go into this week. 
And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's all stand.